and welcome to Mixed Feelings, a podcast about news, politics, and pop culture on the Relay FM network. I'm Quinn Rose, and I'm here as always with my co-host, Jillian Parker. Hey, everyone. Hey, Quinn. Hello. Happy Thanksgiving. Yay! Happy Thanksgiving! We're pre-recording this, um, but when it goes out, it will be Thanksgiving for everyone who lives in the United States, so eat some turkey and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I don't eat turkey, but eat some turkey. I, um, yeah, I'm a vegetarian except for on Thanksgiving and Christmas. <laughs> are you the one who orders all the Chinese food? Yeah, I am. Oh, yeah. This is, I don't remember if we talked about this last year, which, by the way, we're so old now. This is episode 50. But I, on th- Christmas, uh, my family orders a bunch of Chinese food, and we just eat Chinese food and watch movies um, for our, like, Christmas dinner, and it's awesome. Yeah, that sounds rad. Do you guys do stuff like that? No. Do you have a real Christmas dinner? No. <laughs> what do you do? Um, well, my parents pretend they're Catholic and we go to church. Um, and, <laughs> and then we pretty much just eat whatever my mom feels like cooking. That's exciting. Yeah. Do you do the, the whole Thanksgiving dinner? Yeah, but my parents don't actually cook. We go to our family friends and then they cook. Oh, that's clever. And it's great. So I'm very excited. One of my, one of my like sort of cousins. Anyway, long story, but basically she's my cousin. Um, she's a gluten free vegan, so Thanksgiving oh, no. is always not. One time she like brought this cornbread and she was like, "Look, I made gluten free vegan cornbread. Can you try it?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." And I tried it and it tasted like cardboard. And she was like, "How is it?" And I was like, "Oh, it's so great. You can. I can't even tell it's not the real thing." <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> but she worked so hard, so I did not want to disappoint her. You're too nice. Yeah. I don't think I'd ever, I didn't ever think that I would say that to you. <laughs> yeah, me neither. This is weird. <laughs> Thanksgiving's my favorite holiday. Why? I don't know. I, I like, I really like fall. And I think it's like going home for Thanksgiving break is like the perfect length home because sometimes for Christmas break or like, spring break if i go home it's just like a long time and i'm just like yeah with thanksgiving break you know you come home you eat you leave again it's a good time oh yeah and you don't have to buy anyone presents also true oh god i gotta start buying christmas presents yeah i'm waiting for cyber monday well we can just use consumerism and capitalism to fill the gaps in our empty souls yes capitalism dear god (laughs) Speaking of capitalism, uh, let's check in with how our federal government is doing. (laughs) I feel like last week we kept it real light and fun, um, mostly because I was sick and somewhat delirious. Like, I edited the show after we recorded, and I didn't even remember some of the things that I had said. (laughs) So there were a lot of things I said. I was like, why am I saying that? Like, that's not how I wanted to explain myself. (laughs) That's when you know. It just happened that way. Can I use that excuse for every episode, though? What? That I, I was, just delirious. was delirious. <laughs> I didn't mean to say that. I mean, that's how I live through live life. Go yeah. day by day. I would say that in class, too. Anyway, the federal government, tax plans, taxes and stuff. This is Jillian's area of expertise. Yeah, so basically, the Republican Party has not been able to do anything <laughs> since the presidential election. Which was a year ago, by the way. Yes. We have made a lot of arguments. We have tried to get rid of Obamacare. There was, like, this whole drama with that. Um, And now 
the GOP party, well, I don't even, that's redundant, but the GOP. <laughs> Great old party party. <laughs> um, the GOP wants to pass this new tax plan, um, which basically is going to cut government revenue, at, what is it, like by two or three trillion in like 10 years or something like that, um, by pretty much just like cutting taxes in various areas. So they want to cut down the corporate tax rate from like 35% to 20% um, and all of this other stuff. So Quinn, thoughts? I mean, they're not that surprising. No. I mean, based on the analyses that I've seen done on this tax plan, it's not great. Yeah, uh, well, you know, as is possibly to be expected at this point. Um, but no, it, it's definitely um, like another one of those things which is very beneficial to those who are rich and not as beneficial to those who are, say, middle class. Um, it's pretty harmful to the middle class, which is not the class we want to be harming. That you That's usually the one that like, like Republicans are all about, like that middle class lifestyle. But the real weird thing I, I about this tax plan is the um, suggested changes to graduate students and how graduate students are taxed, because basically, um, the there w- when you work for a college, you get these tuition waivers um, or quote unquote qualified tuition reductions, and these are basically like graduate students who work as teaching assistants for colleges, which is incredibly common. Um, and basically the, the new tax plan would tax these tuition waivers as income, which would be a lot. It would be a big, big deal. Um, and this is on the tax plan that has already passed in the house, um, but is currently not on the one that's in the Senate. Um, but I mean, regard, like if it, if this legislation passes in the Senate, then the two kind of pieces of legislation will have to be combined into some kind of like unified things so there's there's definitely the possibility that um this could get passed which would really severely adversely affect um a lot of graduate students because i mean the graduate students generally have like pretty low incomes on average and these um tuition waivers are not like bonus money that they have it's like they don't have that money that's why they need it waived so that they can go to school and do research um and and get higher education so if they were to tax um, tuition waivers as income, it could like genuinely have a very severe impact on like the amount of money that graduate students can make in a year to the point where it could severely disincentivize people actually going to graduate school, which is a big deal. Yeah, um, definitely investment in human capital is generally seen as a good thing for the economy. So... <laughs> If this disincentivizes people and we do worse in terms of higher education, I just don't see how that's, especially in the sciences. Like, I do not want, (laughs) if you are making drugs, you should have a PhD. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing is, like, um, in graduate schools in the United States are actually uh, a lot of international students, like, a lot of international students, and because the United States has some of the best schools in the entire world. Um, like, just hands down, we do higher education so well. I don't I don't understand how, but we do. <laughs> and so not only are we attracting, like, t- 
talent at home to come and go pursue higher education, but we're attracting talent from all over the world to come to the United States and do their research, which has had a lot of really beneficial effects for our economy and our country and just the development of the human race in general, honestly. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the worse the monetary situation is for people in graduate school, like the fewer people will be going here and will be like there will be less talent that's being imported from other countries as well. Yeah, which is not great. <laughs> Again, with the, I'm taking a class right now on international trade, and a lot of it is just about this exchange of information and knowledge spillovers um, and brain drain, which is basically this concept that like if you put a lot of smart people in one area, other smart people will be attracted to that area. But then, of course, that leaves like the place that the smart people are left worse off and all to go to this smart person area and right now that's the united states but (laughs) if this continues it might no longer be the case i mean honestly the ideal tax plan would be just no taxes but that's just my libertarian input and you all knew that was coming so don't even act surprised do you want to say it taxes (laughs) i I got so excited i started this i was like she's gonna let me say it (laughs) (laughs) taxation is theft people I just, I want to satisfy the audience. Uh, They know you're going to say it, so. (laughs) (laughs) Don't tread on me. (laughs) Another story um, featuring our fabulous federal government this week um, was actually this whole feature about how there's an increased trend of regional government um, striking up relationships with foreign leaders certain people who have a lot of control over states who are you know bigger in population than certain european countries like the governor of california or even like the mayor of new york um have reached out and and are setting like standards and agreements with foreign countries um mostly european countries which i think is so interesting this has been especially apparent um of like in california and a bunch of other cities struck up an agreement to maintain the paris climate agreement um even after the federal government has announced that they're going to be withdrawing from it california was like no we're still going to be following like the what we would have to follow for this and i mean there also is just like this general sense of mm, losing face um and of unrespectability because of the way that Trump has handled the office. And so I it, it's there's this undercurrent right now of this regionalization of United States power in the face of the wider world economy, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, I know, but like this whole thing with like states rights versus central government rights, it's just very like civil war-esque, which is not really great. Um do you think we're going to have a civil war? I mean, I think we're in a civil war right now, just by de facto. Yeah, a little bit. So I'm all about decentralizing all the things. (laughs) But I think when it comes to this, like, it's just not really a great idea. I mean, I know we don't like the federal government right now. I never liked the federal government. But um, especially now, considering what's going on in the White House currently, um... But I think that if we do split up and we try to regionalize things and make deals with different people, it's just not a great look. Um, It's just, I just don't see anything super positive coming out of any of this. 
I don't know. I kind of think the United States is too big of a country. Yeah, but I think there's just like a more organized way to go about. If we want to break up and people want to start leaving, fine. But like, I, there needs to be some sort of process. I just, I wonder, and I mean, this is a very big long-term question that I can't answer, but I wonder if this, these are the first signs that we're seeing of that process starting. That these are, like, and I don't think necessarily the, the governor of California is thinking, I'm going to secede from the United States, so let's start, like, talking to foreign powers. I don't necessarily think this is what he's thinking, but I think that maybe this is going to be, like, in the history books years for now, assuming that the human race still lives. Um, like, oh, you know, this process began when they elected uh, um, this incompetent president, and so regional power started um, taking more control over how they were represented to the international community. Like, I can't, I can just picture that sentence in a history book. <laughs> yeah, but that would literally destroy the economy. <laughs> if the United States broke up, we're what, like the third largest contributor or the largest contributor to world GDP. And then if you want to start breaking up and incorporating, um, you know, trade costs and things like that, like that's just a natural disaster. Oh, I mean, it would be a huge mess. Uh, but I feel like we kind of have this idea of the United States is too big to fail, but that doesn't always, that's not always true. Oh, yeah, we, we can fail. I mean, like the, the banks, right? Too big to fail. Yeah, that's um, the analogy I'm drawing. Also like the Titanic, I don't know. If you had to put money on which state would secede first, which one would you pick? I mean, based on these patterns, California. Because mm-hmm. I think that California is large enough that it could sustain its own economy. Yeah. The entertainment business alone. Yeah. Um, Also, they grow a lot of plants, so there's that. I think Texas. I think that Texas has kind of, like, been trying to secede for a while, though. Texas is kind of its own thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, they actively use their flag, (laughs) the Texas flag. Yeah, Texas is, like, emotionally prepared to secede and has been for a long time. In Texas, they not only, they pledge allegiance to the American flag and they pledge allegiance to the Texan flag. They're ready. Yeah, they've been, this is what they've been preparing for. Yeah, so there's that. Um, Yeah, I feel like New England could break off and be its own country. Yeah. Man, that'd be a bougie country. Oh, God. Be a very white country. Yeah. But New England, I mean, New England is just this combination of just incredibly liberal places and also places that you would think are the deep south. And just, like, very conservative, like, homegrown values. Towns are centered around the church. Um, And then you have, like, Vermont that's just, like, Bernie Sanders is the patron saint of Vermont. And there's Ben and Jerry's ice cream everywhere. And And maple syrup. Let's not forget about the syrup. Syrup is very important. Um, And it's just, New New England is not actually a cohesive, like, family unit of states. (laughs) No, but they do have beautiful falls. They do. We've got the falls locked down. (laughs) You're killing the autumn game. (laughs) So there's an interesting article in the Washington Post this week um, about shame. And, like, shame used to be this really uh, strong idea of, like, public punishment. Um, And it still is in some places, but it's kind of fallen out of fashion in that sense of, of, like, the ways that we use shame as a deliberate punishment for actions but it still of course has a huge effect on our society and like people 
make decisions or don't or choose to do things or not do things based on the shame that they feel about them or the shame that they're afraid of experiencing. And this has become really relevant recently um, with there's the, the absolute uh, tidal wave in the news of people coming forward about sexual assault and sexual harassment. And while in the past they may have been um, ashamed and, and then quieted for these things or felt like they would face so much shame for coming forward that the, um, they were too afraid to, that now our culture is finally shifting, that there is a space and people are more comfortable uh, feeling like they will be believed. And the shame instead is being pushed onto the people who have been accused, um, as, you know, the direction should be, of of people like um, Weinstein and Spacey and, I mean, more recent allegations have come up against, like, Louis C.K. Um, or even, like, Roy Moore, who's currently running for public office, but um, assaulted teenage girls. Um, or even Al Franken, who's currently a U.S. senator, but um, allegedly, like, sexually harassed a woman many years ago. And all these things going on, there's now, like, this really strong public shaming that's happening against those people. And, of course, there are also people who are defending them and back and forth and all this stuff. Blah, blah, blah. But, but that is, like, really the tool that we are wielding as a society, which is a double-edged sword. But Yeah, I mean, it's, it's no scarlet letter, but... Oh, man. High school reading list. <laughs> that was an awful book. Yeah, no, it was. <laughs> I think that was. I think that was my least favorite book of all the mandatory reading that we had to do. Okay, I'm just saying. I'm so unsurprised. I mean, that's just like a the Scarlet Letter is like a classic American high school. Just have to read it, but also it's just like unsurprising that a Catholic high school had to read the Scarlet Letter as well. <laughs> oh yeah, and of course, like the lesson. It's supposed to be, like, you know, about shame and humiliation and all this other stuff. But, of course, the lesson that the Catholic school came out with was, well, don't have premarital sex. <laughs> I'm like, yes, because that's the root of the problem. <laughs> that was not actually the, the message of the Scarlet Letter, to no, be clear. No, it was not. Anyway, um, it's actually weirdly relevant, uh, but we're not going to get into that because this is not a literature analysis podcast. <laughs> it could be. It would, that'd be great. Can we do that for our next podcast? Yeah. Just analyze works of high school literature. Yeah. Okay, great. Anyway, um, but what do you think about this phenomenon? Do you think that, like, it's a good thing that we are shaming these people so extremely, or do you think that it's going to backfire? Oh, I think it's going to backfire. What do you mean? Um, I don't know how it's going to backfire, but it's going to backfire, because right now it seems good in the fact that the people who are being shamed deserve it because they're awful, terrible human beings, and I don't even know if we can call them human beings. But just with the way the world works in the fact that it's not exactly, I don't know, I just don't think the world is a great place to be right now, and I think that it will backfire. I don't know how, but it will. So just blatant pessimism. Yes. Yes. Gotcha. Yes. What do you think, Wynn? I mean, I don't think you're wrong because I think that this is a really dangerous tool. Um, because, I mean, as we have seen, like, this is, shame is something that's used to keep people quiet. Um, and now it's being wielded in the other direction, but that I think it will shift again. And I also think that our, our current, like, culture um on the internet is very shame heavy in terms of like um there's especially this phenomenon of people pulling up like 
old tweets that people have made and shaming them for those and on one hand like i believe that people should be held accountable for things that they said especially when they if they were already adults when they were saying them but on the other hand this also creates this culture where like you're not allowed to learn and grow if even things that you said six or seven years ago can be held against you in such an extreme way and so it's this really careful balance that i don't think we're actually keeping balanced it's all just to to this really extreme keeping people to sometimes impossibly high standards yeah i found out through i guess maybe like the hard way just watching people supposedly adults um go through life it's just like there's this rule in economics and politics that like the the moderate or like the happy medium should always like win like the median is always gonna you know be the majority which like makes sense when you think about it but like i don't know i feel like especially when it comes to culture um especially via social media it's like either one way really really strong or the other way really strong like i think it's just very hard for people to come out and say i think like i have mixed feelings on this you know and talk about it because then they get shamed for not having an opinion Mm mm-hmm one interesting way that this has manifested this week was in response to some comments that um, women made about sexual assault allegations. And this happened two things. Um, Gabby Douglas, who is um, an Olympic uh, gymnast um, and is this like a very, very successful Olympic gymnast, her teammate, Ali Raisman, um, came out and said that uh, this man that they had all worked with uh, assaulted her um, when she was underage and um, she made some comment about how uh, Ali made talked about that like even when you're in like a sexy jumpsuit because I mean they're gymnasts and that's what their uniform is um, that it doesn't make it okay and Gabby made a statement on Twitter basically saying that like it's women's responsibility to dress modestly and to not like invite that kind of thing um, she also I- used the word classy, which I was just like, yeah, Ugh, okay. So that's like a, a really strong victim blaming statement, just full stop. Um, and then on another side, uh, Lena Dunham, um, you know, everyone's favorite. Lena Dunham is already a very controversial figure and has already said a lot of not great things in the past. Um and so we're going to get into the difference between, like, Gabby Douglas and Lena Dunham in a sec. But anyway, so her, uh, so one of the people that she's worked with for many years was accused of raping a younger actress. Um, and she made a statement that said, like, hey, I know that only 3% of rape accusations are false. She literally used a statistic in the statement, but I promise you this is one of them. Like, I know this guy and this is definitely not true. Which, again, no, Lena. is not what you say so yeah um and then we have these two cases of gabby douglas who makes what i truly believe was like a very harmful thing to say and the wrong thing to say and then um her other teammates and i mean a lot of people called her out on it and she uh basically retracted the statement and said that she what she it didn't come out how she meant to say it um and then we have lena dunham who makes this statement which is just so unnecessary. But I think I think the difference between those two people is that, yes, Gabby made 
a statement that she should not have made, but I don't think she set out to personally, like, cause a scene, right? Like, I feel like half the motivation for Lena's anything that she does is to make a scene and to make controversy because that's her image. That's literally what she bases her, you know, act on. Yeah, and I mean, Gabby Douglas is a 21-year-old gymnast and Lita Dunham is a 31-year-old writer and producer and someone who has fashioned herself, like, as a leading feminist. And... I mean, 21 is like my age, older than me even. And so I don't believe that's an excuse, but I do believe that like this is a situation in which making a victim blaming statement in these circumstances was wrong. But I also believe that it was a mistake and that's something that she's going to learn from and do better next time. Whereas Lena Dunham denying an, um, this accusation and just flat out calling this actress a liar. Mm hmm was was just way more actively harmful. The fact that she teamed up with someone and they issued a joint statement just makes it seem that much more, like, conniving, right? Like, I think with Gabby, like, she's tweeting something. She's not going to consult someone and be like, we think. Because when you add the power of we, it's, like, incorporating this whole other level. Mm-hmm. Because it's like you're ganging up on someone. Yeah, and it's... I totally understand that it is... It must be so hard when someone that you know and love um is accused of something like that and they're like as with all of these cases where nothing has been explicitly proved or that the person has not admitted it it could be a false accusation like Mm -hmm. it's only statistically three percent of cases it could be one of those but it's so unnecessary to make that statement like, if she has to struggle with that personally and personally believes that this person is innocent, then, like, deal with that privately um, and publicly. You just put toward a neutral statement that, like, you will support, like, legal processes for what so that justice can be served in whatever way it's going to be served, you know? Um, you don't get to make that kind of statement and say that you're, like, you're such a you're such a feminist leader when you're, like, at the first sign of someone that you, like being attacked that you totally abandon those principles mm-hmm. yeah exactly um does she i wonder she must have a publicity agent right like maybe she should go by them or you know run or things get a over, new one get a new one yeah because anyone who says oh yeah this seems like a really good idea should be fired immediately quinn and i can handle pr yeah who are, but that, that's the thing who are all of these celebrities pr people because all of them are bad yeah i mean not only just PR people, but also, like, people who come up with commercials and advertising. Like, what are these people doing? <laughs> yeah, no, just, everything is bad. Let us let us lead you to, to a new ground. Wow, sounds awfully pessimistic, Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> but I do want to bring up a counterpoint to all of this, which is what are the standards and the shame that we're subjecting these women who have said things that we don't agree with adjacent to men who have actually attacked other people what is there like an incorrect balance here what do you think i mean i definitely think that when stuff like this happens it's like you're bringing focus on you know um the people accusing the victim of being wrong and things like that but there's less attention focused on the guy who is being accused and I wonder if that's, like, sort of on purpose or if that's just trying... I mean, I think the whole point with that is, like, you can't really do anything. Like, you personally can't really do anything to, like, get this person in jail, jail, I guess, if you did not have any, um, you know, 
if you did not take if you were not a part of the assault or you know like i i'm not being very <laughs> cohesive right now but i think it's just like oh like if i can make a comment about something else i ha i can so i'm going to do that and that's the easiest thing to do like it's the easiest thing i think to comment on um different pieces of the big picture instead of attacking the big picture because like when you attack the big picture and you focus on a much more general like overview i think that's when people get really nervous and are afraid of messing something up does that make sense i'm not sure i get exactly what you mean so what, so, what like, is exactly is the big picture in this so situation? not necessarily the message because basically she called this woman a liar and that she was standing by this accused rapist um but i think how she presented it was almost worse than you know coming at me like oh she's a liar and he's innocent because it's like you're trying to push down this person first by teaming up with someone else to release a joint statement um and then using statistics and like trying to sneakily indirectly say that someone did it, even though like does that make sense I guess I agree in the sense that she tried to make it sound like more um, intellectual or if that's even a word that can be used here. More sophisticated. Yeah, I think you're totally right. Yeah, intellectual and, and to the sense of like this is a thing that people do a lot, I think, is they try to make things sound like fancy um, and oh, yeah, as if no. that makes them less easy to argue argue against um but then you know I, people have the comprehension level to cut straight through all of that and just read the like the in between the lines of what she's actually saying which and yeah and i do think that that angers a lot of people when they see the attempt to obscure the language yeah exactly anyway so uh she did retract her statements and i let there was one sentence i naively believed it was important to share my perspective on my friend's situation you're really just stop assuming that your perspective ever needs to be shared for any particular issue and we'll be fine <laughs> yeah i read this article basically criticizing her and saying how like she's thirsty for attention and things like that and basically the article was like yeah like this is who we created like the only it's like when you bully someone or when you give them less attention and then they stop bullying or being annoying uh cerebral um but yeah, Lena Dunham is not my favorite person. No, um, I never liked her. I do believe that, like, this is a particularly harmful move and was particularly gross since she has, like, positioned her whole career around being a feminist. Um, but I do also firmly believe that, like, she should be facing less heat than the people that the person in the situation who is, you know, like, actually accused of rape. You know? As much as this was an important thing to address and, like, um, that I do believe that it... it, it should have um been taken down and it shouldn't have been said in the first place like i also think that there does tend to be this disproportionate attention paid to like how people talk about things rather than what people are actually doing yeah yeah which is the whole thing of like sometimes it's too hard to or too challenging to attack the issue head-on so you try to chip away at it gradually and then sometimes that backfires on you yeah i also just it's wild when people think that this is a, like a false accusation for attention the actress who is accusing him didn't even go to the press like she's she's talking to the police 
Like, she is trying to get him arrested. Like, she's just been talking to the police. Um, and it's like the sheriff's department confirmed to news outlets that they're investigating this issue. So why would she? I don't know. People's logic is is out there sometimes. Yeah, it really is. So on a more positive note, let's talk about Thanksgiving, which is my favorite holiday. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it a little in the intro, but we gotta really get into the meat of the subject, and the meat of the subject is turkey, by the way. And also other favorite Thanksgiving foods. So, Quinn, your favorite Thanksgiving food is stuffing? It is. And what's your second favorite? I love mashed potatoes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm a big fan of mashed potatoes. We also, um, we make the like cream spinach which is like spinach and cheese and bacon there's also a thing that like my family just decides to make every dish on thanksgiving like non-vegetarian even normal like vegetarian foods like spinach like we put bacon in that we make mashed potatoes but we make heaven and earth which is um like mashed potatoes with apples and bacon in it (laughs) um and just like everything is just you take you remove the vegetarian friendliness of it (laughs) Are, are you the only vegetarian in your family? Oh, yeah. Okay. But I, as I said before, I do eat meat on Thanksgiving. Um, one, because I like it, and two, because I just, it would, I would be such a pain in the ass if I didn't. Yeah. Fair. Fair. But you, how's your Thanksgiving dinner? It's good. I really like cranberry sauce and sweet potatoes. Wait, I love cranberry sauce. Oh, my God. I love the, I love the bad cranberry sauce, though. Like, the ones that come out of a can, Sam. <laughs> it's so fun. I, I know. It's so smooth. I love it. I could literally eat an entire can. I probably could as well, but then I would be sick. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. What's your favorite dessert at Thanksgiving? Oh, we always have pie. What kind of pie, though? Probably apple pie. I really like pumpkin pie, but other people in my family don't like it as much. Yeah, because pumpkin pie is objectively awful. Whoa. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> I came out to talk about Thanksgiving food, and I feel like I'm being pumpkin personally Pumpkin pie is the perfect thanksgiving i just don't think we should base an entire dessert off a squash i don't think that's a good thing to do i want the entire world to know because you know the entire world listens to this podcast um that i made pumpkin muffins the other day with fresh pumpkin like i took a pumpkin that i had picked from the ground and then i cooked it and then i made muffins out of it no that's fine I just, this has nothing to do with what we're talking about, really. I just wanted to share that. <laughs> okay, yeah, that sounds dope because pumpkins are great, but I just don't like the idea of pumpkin pie. You can put pumpkin literally in anything else, and I'm totally okay with it. It's just the fact that it's pumpkin pie that I don't like. Why? Do you like apple pie? Yeah, I have no problem with apple pie or pecan pie. Is it pecan, is it pecan or pecan? I think you could pronounce it both ways. Pecan! <laughs> Okay. So you just, you're just uh, discriminatory against pumpkins? No, just against pumpkin pie. I like pumpkins in general. Yeah, but you're discriminatory against, like, so any other fruit is allowed to be in a pie, but not pumpkin? I'm not a huge fan of key lime pie either. Oh, I love key lime pie. Oh my god. Why that's, a, that's a different category, though. I feel like that's like... It's still pie. <laughs> yeah, but you have different kinds of pies. Because, like, chocolate pie is not in the same category either. Okay, but, like, that's... your citrus pies, like your lemon meringue, your key lime, that's a whole other thing. Okay, fine. And you I'll wouldn't serve that. those. That's not Thanksgiving food. Okay, I'll give you that. So, yeah, I'm discriminatory towards pumpkins in the pie family served on Thanksgiving. Yes. The, the autumnal pie family. <laughs> yes. 
The three pie family. The what? Three pie family. It's like apple, pumpkin, pecan. I feel like are the three main pies that people eat on Thanksgiving. You're probably right. And uh, what about the day after Thanksgiving? Are, are the most holy of Fridays? Oh my god. I never go Black Friday <laughs> shopping because it stresses me out. And I don't believe... I love capitalism and I love consumerism, but I do not like everyone else liking capitalism, consumerism as well in one day. It's just very overwhelming. So in my town, we don't have a lot of stores, but we do have a really big Walmart. It's honestly the economic hub of my entire town, so that tells you something about my town. Um, but um, I, I one time went to Black Friday shopping like at midnight at the local Walmart, just like for fun to hang out. Oh, I like met up with friends there. Ew, please desist. <laughs> it was great. We got a lot of cheap movies. It was just kind of hanging out. I do participate in online Black Friday shopping, though. Yes, and also Cyber Monday is where it's at. I love shopping from the comfort of my own dorm in pajamas. Oh, I just sure. really hate shopping, like, in person. I, yeah, it's not my favorite thing, except if I'm going shopping for books. Ooh, yeah. I love bookstores so much. I think I like shopping for anything. Well, no, that's wrong. But, um... I like furniture shopping. I think that's fun. Like Ikea. I think... Ikea is a fun time. Ikea is a fun time. I love, love, love book shopping. Um, and I also like window shopping if you're like in New York City and it's Christmas and you can look at all the different trees. It's like, that's fun. I also just feel like we should acknowledge that Thanksgiving is a super weird holiday because um, for American students, you growing up in school, you're kind of just taught that like... And then Squanto fixed all of the problems between Native Americans and the white people. Um, And then they had Thanksgiving and ate a lot of food, and then we were all friends. And that's kind of, that's, like, where the lesson of that ends until you're, like, 14 years old. Yeah. Which is wild. Yeah. And this is interesting because, okay, so, especially now, like, cultural appropriation is, like, such a huge topic. Um, And... I was, I've been reading, like, articles from Native American women, like, on Halloween, like, you shouldn't dress up as, like, like, my culture is not a costume, like, things like that, which is, like, totally fair, totally valid, but my school, literally, we dressed up as, like, pilgrims and Native Americans oh, for no. Thanksgiving pageant. Uh-oh. So, which is, like, so, like, the white, the little white children dressing up as pilgrims is, like, probably harmless, um, but the other part (laughs) that's really interesting because i grew up um near a native american reservation and so so first of all like a decent population of my school um especially my high school was native american and but then also at my elementary school once every three years i think it was we would have a thanksgiving feast like the last day of school before thanksgiving and so the kids would make a bunch of food but then like the um the representatives from like the local native american tribes would actually like come to our school and help us cook food and like we would actually have like a whole like the thanksgiving legend um thing Mm -hmm. and i think that they like we would have dances um and then they would they would like tell us stories and like tell us about the history of their tribe and stuff like that and so it was like this whole educational experience for the little children but yeah we had like a like the american dream thanksgiving version thing wow that's awesome yeah it was pretty cool i don't really remember it because i mean i was like eight but we did that a couple times i guess while i was in elementary school his history teaching in most american public schools 
Not good. Not accurate. The food, fantastic. Oh, yeah. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I feel like a lot of people are annoyed with Thanksgiving because it kind of breaks up, you know, like advertising for Christmas and Christmas gifts. Like when you go to Europe and like they don't have Thanksgiving. So literally anytime after Halloween, it's like Christmas all the time. I mean, the U.S. is also like that. They just have more people who are annoyed about it. I guess. That says, like, you can go to Target, and even before Halloween, they've already started putting up Christmas stuff. Oh, my God. Well, it is the most, you know, shopping-filled quarter. Usually all companies, like, retail companies especially, do really well then. I really have to go Christmas shopping. I have so many gifts for family members that I haven't bought yet. I'm doing all of this online. Yeah. I also don't believe in wrapping my own gifts, so I either pay for it to be done, or I give the gift and i do not believe in the element of surprise this is a lot yeah i enjoy wrapping christmas presents it's a fun time you get really we have so many different wrapping papers at my house because they always go on they are so cheap to buy after christmas and my mom always gets another set even though she knows we already have so many um But what's really great is my sister and I both have birthdays that are pretty close to Christmas. And so sometimes we will wrap, like, birthday presents in Christmas paper and then just write, like, it'll say, like, happy birthday on it. Or, no, sorry. And so it'll, like, say Merry Christmas on it, but we will just, like, cross it out and write happy birthday instead. (laughs) That's funny. Oh, but I'm thankful for you, Quinn. Aww. Oh, yeah. We spent so long talking about the food and commercialism, we literally never touched on the fact that it's supposed to be a time for gratitude. Yeah, we are grateful for things in our lives. Yeah. Oh, a a quick story about Thanksgiving to wrap this up. I went on my... Wrap this up? Oh! Okay. I went on my very first date the day after Thanksgiving, I think it was. I'm pretty sure... Or it was, like, it was right around Thanksgiving because I remember, like, thinking that I was thankful for, like, this date that I was going on. I was 14 years old, almost 15. I'm thankful for my friends, my family, this new show that I started watching, a.k.a. Rick and Morty. Oh, my God. Best show ever. Okay. I'm thankful for my friends and family and for Stranger Things, which is the television show I recently started watching a year after everyone else watched it. There are two types of people, it's apparently. great. <laughs> um, and I'm thankful for all of you guys for listening to our podcast. Yeah, thanks for... For put- 50 episodes. Yeah, thanks for putting up with us for 25 hours. Well, no, more than that. It's a long time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And what are you guys doing with your lives? What are we doing with our lives? Well, that's a longer story for another day. <laughs> All right, that sounds good. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can find us at Mixed Feelings FM. You can also find us in the Apple Podcast Store, where you can leave us a review if you want, or online at relay.fm slash mixedfeelings, where there's a contact form if you want to send us an email. You can find me on Twitter at AspiringRobotFM. And you can find me on Twitter at underscore Julian Parker. Thank you for podcasting with me, Julian. Uh, thank you for having me as always. I'm Quinn Rose. I'm Jillian Parker. And these were our mixed feelings.